Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you guys and gals to another live Q&A with yours truly. Hope you guys and gals are doing exceptionally well. My goal here is to help you make sense of your life and to help you make uh, grow holistic for God's up to you. So if you feel like this channel is something that um, will aid in your walk with God, man, make sure you subscribe, hit the bell. Um, these videos here may be long, so make sure you go to the timestamps below to see everything. Um, but the whole purpose of this live Q&A is to help you guys, man, grow answer your questions and help you process through life situations. So if you're joining me live right now, come on into the live feed. Can't wait to serve you all today. And if you're listening or watching later on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or YouTube, I want to say thank you all so much to all those who subscribe, all those who follow me. I just want to say I kind of an honor to serve you all. I'm going to get to the chat the uh, chat feed because I won't be here too long. My goal is to be here for probably about a good 30 to 40 minutes. Um, Angel, what's going on? Blessings to you. Queen Keisha, what's going on? Hey, coach, what's going on? Divine 15, Jay Keaton, what's going on? Queen Keisha, my dog, what's going on? George Falcon, what's up, family? Stephen Ramsey says, Junior, hey, coach, how to respond to a non-believer with a crush on me as a 17-year-old? Um, the best way I could ask that, help you answer that question is this, man. Is, is to always let a person that's interested in you know that you're just focused right now. That uh, being in a relationship is not something that you're interested in at the moment. Um, I'm flattered by it, but at this moment I'm focused. And um, right now I'm not looking for that. Sometimes you don't have to go into a deep dive of why you're uh, pursuing what you're pursuing or why you don't have to express all the details of why you're not interested in someone. Just simply tell them right now I'm focused on my purpose. I'm focusing on my schooling. I'm focused on things. I'm flattered. Uh, but at this point in my life, I'm not opening doors for anyone. And make sure you stay committed to that. Don't don't tell that person that and then you out here dating around. You just got to ask yourself at 17 years old, there's no need to entertain any male or female or woman or boyfriend, girlfriend, because right now you have nothing to offer that young lady, but 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 just goo goo gaga and, and lubby dubby stuff and maybe some candy on Valentine's Day. But you really have nothing solid to offer her or him and vice versa. That person has nothing to offer you. The only thing they have to offer you is distractions. And so what I would do is let that crush know, hey, I'm 17. I'm focused. I got things I got to do. And um, I don't have time to um, entertain a relationship and be nice about it and move on, but be consistent with your words. Great question, fam. Let me scroll up. <clears throat> Pink October. Hey, what's going on from Detroit? I know my wife told me just 30 minutes. So 30 minutes, all I can give you. Divine 15, is it ever okay to lie to someone if it's for a good reason? For example, when an older guy keeps asking me if you have a boyfriend and you reply yes, so he could leave you alone. Is that a good reason? It's never really good to lie because the more you lie, you'll make it a practice to lie. Sometimes it's just best to be honest. What I would tell that young man is say, hey, man, right now I'm not interested in anybody. Um, I don't have a boyfriend and 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 that's it. And right now I'm just not, in, I'm not, I'm not, uh, 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 in the season for a boyfriend or girlfriend, leave it at that. If they can't respect that, then they just want a selfish relationship out of you. But what I would do is I won't lie. There's, there's no need to lie about it. Just be honest. And if the, if the truth hurts them, then that's on them. But I would just simply tell them, Hey, in this season right now, I'm not interested in anyone. And I would just advise, I, I would just appreciate if you will, uh, will, uh, um, accept what I have to say. And I would appreciate if you just give me the space and respect what I have to say. That's the best advice I can give you on that. So just don't lie, man. Lying is just because then what if that man catches you in the lie and all of a sudden now, you know what I'm saying? It's just best to always be honest up front. And if that person does respect your honesty and did just all I got to say, with all due respect, I'll appreciate if you respect whatever I have to say and just do what you got to do, get a restraining order, stuff like that.
<laughs> Hope that help. Let me see who else we got. <clears throat> Angel Freeney says, I have a question. I stopped smoking. Uh, I stopped smoking in 2017, but in 2020, I started again because I've been extremely stressed. I don't know what to do. I feel numb and lost. Well, Angel, you got to always go down to the root reason of why you're smoking. You got to scale your life all the way back to the root reason of why you're anxious. Uh, when your life is anchored in a rock and you understand who you are in Christ, you understand the flow of God, his personality, how he processed things, how he prunes things, then you will be able to say, you know what? Because uh, 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 what you're addressing right now is nothing but symptoms. Smoking weed, smoking, all that stuff is nothing but symptoms of a, of a deeper source issue. So you have to ask yourself, what am I insecure about? What am I afraid of? What am I anxious about? Where is my walk with God on a scale of one to 10? How me and God doing? Um, um, is there any uh, false hopes, idolatry in my heart? And, and Because most of the times we find ourselves deep into cycles of addiction based upon a, a disappointment of something we was once dependent in. If you depended on something and something has become your source, this is what happens. When a breakup happens, a person has overly made a significant other more than who they need to be. So when that person leaves their life, now they feel disappointed, disappointed, and disappointment leads to depression, and depression leads to dependency on addictive substances to cope with that depression. And so you got to go all the way to the root. What disappointed you recently? What did what 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 happened this past year that made you feel disappointed? What crushed your spirit? Um, typically, um, it's usually something that has to deal with your idolatry, but it's nothing wrong with being sad. But when you start going to substances, then that sadness has led to depression. And once depression has settled in, then you'll start looking to other addictive substances to get you over um, um, the, 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 the voices and the regret and the resentment. So what I would tell you is you're lost because the devil wants you to be lost. It's easy to be found. You just got to find the facts behind the feelings. You got to get right down to the foundational truth of why you are doing what you're doing and address it. Address it now. Deal with it. Most times we shun away or avoid what need to be addressed and then end up uh, even more depressed. <clears throat> yeah. So what I would say to you is um, why are you extremely stressed? What cares have you yet to cast on God? Because cares are too heavy for any human to carry. We, our souls were not designed. Our spirit, our soul, our bodies were not designed to carry cares. Cares are too heavy for the soul. We were created to trust God. We was created to believe and depend on God. When we start depending and believing in other things, then we become broken and then stress is inevitable. So you got to look at the source reason of why you're stressed, why you're going back to smoking, and why you haven't tasted and see that God is good, because it all starts with understanding his attributes, understanding how God, why, how God does things and why he does things and better understanding your areas of lack of discipline, understanding idolatry, soul ties and addressing those things. Um, I got a book that you can get right now. It's called uh, The Purpose of Freedom, How to Untie Soul Ties, Uproot Strongholds. That will deep dive, that will go into a, a greater um information in regards to what you can what you can do to overcome those soul ties and deep dark soulish issues get that book it'll help you with the rest but it's something deeper you're smoking for a reason it's probably because of a recent disappointment that's opened the door for for a, a a familiar spirit of depression that's trying to get you back addicted to a substance and not going to god to be filled up with the substance the spirit of god to be able to navigate life's uh disappointments if that helps
Great question. <clears throat> How to gauge your relationship with God? Great question. You gauge it based upon fruit. The Bible says, um, Jesus said, I'm divine, you are the branches. If your word abide in me, and my, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. But there's a pruning fraud process that guarantees more fruit. So you you base, you gauge your relationship based upon the fruit in your life. Because when you look at the fruit in your life, like, am I am I more loving than I used to be? Am I more joyful than I used to be? Am I more uh, kind? Is there goodness in my life? If I'm, am I more self-controlled? That lets you know that you have been engaging. Your gauge is predicated on your engagement. You gauge, you can gauge your relationship with God based upon how often you engage in it. We're talking about like person to person relationship, spiritual disciplines, fruit bearing. That lets you know whether or not your relationship is a, is a nine or a 10 with God. You also gauge relationship based upon your contentment. You gauge relationship based upon um, your pace. Are you rushing for things that you know you're not mature enough and ready for? There's a lot of different ways to gauge relationship, but if you want the gauge to go higher, you have to engage more often. Now, how do you engage with God? Number one, you got to educate yourself about him. Number two, you have to uh, 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 get a grip of your life and slow your life down. Another thing you got to do, you got to acknowledge that you are nothing without him. Another G that you got to process. You have to know the for a fact that he's good and everything that God has for you is in him. So it's best to, to search him. E-N-G-A-G-E. Number number the last E, you got to know that God's enough because when God's enough, you go to him for all the stuff. When God's enough, you know for a fact that he holds everything and that you won't be desperate for anything, but you have to engage God because number one, it, it, it it edifies you. It is. It, it it grows you. The more the more you get out of your relationship, what you put in. It's that simple. Um, God done put everything in. He good. He, he don't need nothing else from you. It's all about us. It's all about the time that we ha- we have to give Him and what we really want out of out of Him. And it's not about what we want from Him. It's what we want that's in Him. I want His character. And when you care more about being like Him, you engage Him. You you look like the person that influences you the most. And so you, just look at your life and simply observe. Hey man, am I content? Am I am I full of joy? Am I in pace with God? Uh, um, am I idolizing anything? A- am I bearing fruit? Because if you abide in the vine and His words are in you, and you're growing in the things of God, you can't help but grow and see greater fruit. And so um, that's how you gauge it. You gauge it by contentment. You gauge it. You increase the gauge by discipline. You engage. You increase the gauge um, by devotion and dedicating time and getting to know Him as a person. Hope to help. Kia J says, was there a certain glow about your wife that let you know she was the one God had for you or was it a feeling? Uh, it was a mixture of things. It was just like, like I can hindsight being 2020 based upon um, the big things that God has revealed to me. Uh, I now can look back and see that there were similarities of residue, like the homes, the, 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 the job, the things that I had to face. And I, and I sensed maybe back then, I didn't know what those senses were, but now hindsight being 2020 and having more experience with uh, knowing what's for me and what's not for me, I can, I can look back and say that there was something special about her. There was something in the knowing about her. It wasn't something external. It wasn't like there was a light that shined or a dove that descended. It was just something in my spirit that I just couldn't shake. But at that time I was kind of immature, 
I wasn't as mature as I am now spiritually, but hindsight being 2020 after experiencing um, the will of God, the plans of God and how God moved in my life. I can now say that at the moment I met her, there was something that I felt deeply about that, but I wasn't mature enough at that time to know and mark that as God. So I say that to say that uh, if you're a babe in Christ, if you're new in Christ, just because you um, have a feeling. You can't base the point about feelings. The more you get to know God, you will know exactly how God communicates to you and letting you know that something is for you. Um, I don't think that God does everything the same. So I don't want to say or share how God did something for me because he may do something differently for you. And so my advice to you is to get to know God and get and and, and watch his track record and, and letting time prove to you um, the will of God. Sometimes we just jump to the, to the gun of our feelings versus let time and let things and scenarios play out. And then his confirmation and, and him moving will reveal to you what is yours or not. So was there a glow or uh, a dove? Nah. But hindsight being 2020 from my familiarity with Christ and how he reveals things that's clearly for me, I can go back and say there was something deep in my knower. But the more you know God, the more enhanced your knower becomes, the more enhanced you'll begin to recognize and pinpoint how God reveals what's specifically for you. Great questions, y'all. What's up, Enoch? What's going on? I hope your weekend is going, is going exceptionally well. Thank you so much, family. Shiro says, hey, coach, watching from Sweden. Thank you for watching. I watched Scary Pranks and it was about clowns and I felt so bad the conviction after how afterwards. How can I get rid of the combination feeling? First off, um, the enemy condemns, God convicts. Conviction always precedes condemnation. What I mean, the Holy Spirit convicts. He lets you know when something's wrong. He lets you know uh, uh, beforehand that you probably shouldn't do this. Um, that's what conviction is, letting you know that there's a higher standard for you to achieve and that I'm actually on standby to help you to achieve that standard. I'm actually there to help you overcome this obstacle. And so conviction comes in. You probably shouldn't go to that part. Or you shouldn't drive this way. You shouldn't make a left here. You probably should watch that. What happens is when you ignore that conviction or leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, those that genuineness that you have for God, the enemy kind of uses that against you. I was guilty of it as at a young age, at a younger age in my spiritual walk. Because the Holy because demons knew that my heart really didn't want to disappoint God, then they utilized that they you they drug me, not drug me, they they um lured me into a place that they know that my heart would be too heavy. And since my mind wasn't completely aware of just how uh, uh accepted and, and my adoption of God and my acceptance to him that he knew I can utilize that genuine remorse for that. I can use his genuine remorse for that sin, utilize that as condemnation and make him feel like that God doesn't love him, that now he has to do a bunch of works to get God's approval. Now you got to go. Now you got to pray two hours for God's attention. Now you got to go fast for God's attention while first realizing that I'm accepted by him and there's nothing I can do more to be more loved by God. So my advice to you how to deal with that combination is know who you are in Christ, knowing that there's there's nothing that can separate you from God's love, that nothing, that nothing can pluck you out of his hand. If you have if you have uh, been uh, um, drawn to repentance by his goodness and been sealed by his spirit, all you got to do now is now make <clears throat> 
<clears throat> adjustments in your own life to make sure that you don't find yourself in compromising positions. But anytime you feel condemnation, this is what you need to do. First off, you got to make it very clear to every demonic spirit that you are a daughter and son of God and nothing has changed that. Number two, you make it very clear to yourself that you are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. That is because of Jesus' good works. That is because of Jesus' finished work that you are able to have access and fellowship with the Father. And that's a beautiful union that doesn't give clearance to sin. It just lets you know just how great God is, how good he is. But that also lets you know that the Holy Spirit is not just a tenderly loving spirit. That spirit will let you know and convict you of sin and be like, hey, this is the reason why you shouldn't go down this path. Because in doing so, you're setting yourself up for demonic influence, etc., etc., and, and then you find yourself in deeper and darker webs. And so do not allow condemnation to last long. First, you just have to realize what you did was wrong. Make the adjustments. Clarify your, clar, clar, clarify yourself and who you are in Christ and stand on that and, and make adjustments and not fall into that again. But do not be condemned or do not do not dwell on a mistake longer than 30 seconds to four minutes based upon your uh uh your your well whether or not you well versed in scriptures and how to process those condemnation moments because uh you shouldn't think about those things longer than you need to because you're giving the devil too much room, demons too much room um, to mess with your mind. Um, God does not condemn. God does not punish us. <clears throat> God chastens us, but God doesn't put us in timeout and put us in torture chambers by demons. Nah, he doesn't do that. What he does do is says, hey, come on. I told you I gave you my spirit to help you. And so that should encourage you not to allow that stuff to, to torment your mind and make you feel like that you got to do a bunch of works to get God's attention again. No, all you got to do is repent. Heavenly Father, Father, help me not to fall into this trap again. Spirit of God, show me ways that I can avoid this. Uh, uh, show me areas in my heart that's not willing to yield itself to your to your leadership. And then you should be good going forward. Um, but do not allow the enemy to utilize your genuine love for God and, and to use that against you to make you fall into condemnation and back into works righteousness. Because uh, there's nothing, there's no good works that you can do uh, to be in good standing with God. It's all because of what Jesus did that put you in good standing. And so all you got to do is embrace your adoption, embrace your acceptance, and embrace the grace that gives you the opportunity to grow from that that experience to be uh, um, to 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 grow into a greater relationship to the spirit of God where you allow him to lead you better. Hope to help. Thank you for watching from Sweden. Great questions, y'all. <clears throat> Facts over feelings. You got the, the clarity of the gospel message is what hinders condemnation. That you couldn't do anything for God's love, but Jesus did everything for you to be welcomed back into the fellowship with the Father, and you and you and you embrace the finished work of Christ, and, and and embrace the fellowship with the Father, and you keep going from there. Thanks, Coach. You're so welcome, Stephen. Um, George Falcons, I've been doing good avoiding masturbation, but every once in a while I slip up and feel guilty. You keep growing, keep going forward. That's all you can do. Keep going forward. Do not, do not, do not, do not fall into that murky water of that sin. Go forward in fellowship with the Father and and and, and making adjustments where you need to and 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 being able to grow in that area. And, and find the root reason of why you're dealing with that family. That's the best advice I can give you on that. And make sure you look up. I got a ton of videos on that. Check on my YouTube channel for that. Oh, man, what I've missed so far. Welcome. We're glad to have you. Glad to have you. You ain't missed too much. We've only been here for 19 minutes. I got about maybe 15 more minutes to go. 
Shiro says, second question, how do I keep my thoughts pure? It seems like I can't watch TV without getting bad thoughts about a guy, but I rebuke them immediately. Sometimes, sometimes you got to get rid of certain things um, to, to do what you need to do. Um, there's just certain things I don't watch. There's certain things I got blocked on my computer, blocked on my phone. There's just certain things that I just make sure I have no access to. I guard my eye gate, my ear gate. There's just certain places where my feet do not tread. There's certain gyms that I don't go to. There's just certain things I do not do at certain times or certain places or whatever. And I have limits and locks in those areas to ensure that I keep my home pure and my my home, both homes pure, my internal home, my external home. So what you got to do is just say, hey, I got to get rid of cable. I got to get rid of the TV. I got to get rid of these different things. I got to, I got to, I got to position myself. You know, sometimes you just got to make sure that you don't have certain things within arm's reach. And even if, even if it's, it is in arm's reach, it has locks when you reach for them. You see what I'm saying? And so the best way to keep your thoughts pure is to determine and establish why you need to have pure thoughts. You got to look at what impure thoughts causes in action form. Because the more you dwell on impure thoughts mentally, the more you're going to pursue impure things. So you have to cast down vain imaginations and be able to mature your mind into knowing the difference between vain and valid imaginations. Vain imaginations are imaginations that serves no point and leads to no point. Valid imaginations are imaginations that leads to victory, that leads to a greater volume of growth, that leads to the word of God as backed by the word of God. And, and, and in 2 Corinthians, so it talks about um, uh, the enemy is going to try to throw any and everything that's lofty. He's not going to throw stuff at you. He's going to throw stuff high and try to paint it in a big picture. So, that, but, but when you know the things of God, you will be able to know that no matter how high Satan throws a suggestion, it will never be higher than the most high's view of you. It will never be higher than the most view, most high's opinion about you. So you must be well-versed in the word of God, embracing it and studying it to show yourself approved, hiding God's word in your heart and, uh, and renewing your mind into who you are in Christ so that you will be able to um, um, grow. But if it's about a guy, um, then you got to ask yourself, why is that guy still, why is there still lingering there? Um, uh, is there, is there a soul tie issue? Is there an infatuation issue? Is there an idolatry issue? Is there uh, just a plain lust issue? Uh, uh, because if you don't deal with the root issue, then you could be in a very pure environment and lustful thoughts still intrigue you because you can be in a pure situation, but if you have impure thoughts, uh, you have impure perspective, even in a pure environment, and then you're not safe anywhere. So it's best to deal with the root reason why that guy is a trigger point for you and that demons feel free to utilize any and everything, any and every environment against you specifically about that guy, because there's something in that guy that those demons want you to be latched onto. I don't know if it's because he left you. I don't know if it's a crush. It just all depends. Um, but just rebuking the symptoms would not really solve the root problem. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta find the root issue and watch the symptoms leave. And only you know that. And so deal with the root issue of why that guy has so much weight in your life. Deal with the root issue on why that person is whoever he is to you. And and because it doesn't matter if you don't deal with the root issue, you can be in a pure environment, but with a but with a with a faulty mindset and a trigger point that demons know that you haven't dealt with. They can utilize any environment against you no matter what. So you have to deal with the root issue. If not, you just be treating symptoms all day in your life and still have a cancerous uh, uh, issue deep inside of you. 
Ms. Reynolds says, what does it really mean to Sabbath? How does God want us to rest? What does that mean? It look like great question. Uh, Jesus said very vividly and very clearly in the word of God that man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for the man. So with the Sabbath system back in the Old Testament before Christ became our rest, <clears throat> that just because Christ became our rest doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to take a day to, to really just regroup and rest and whatnot. But he said, man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for the man. God knows how ego and pride and idolatry and lust and greed or just genuine ambition uh, can lure a person into overwork, into being burdened. I've been guilty of it. That's why I don't mind resting. Um, how does resting look like in the past? See, see, the Christian walk has to be in pattern. And that pattern has to be led by the person, which is the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit tells you you need to take the day off, you take the day off. If the Holy Spirit, that's why everything has to be impaced by the Spirit of God. And because the Holy Spirit will develop things in patterns. He knows there's a season where you're you're you're, you're gonna you're gonna be cranked up and 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 things gonna be uh heavier and so he may give he may say you need to rest two days he may say you need to take a week off he may say you need to put that ministry down because he knows what's coming ahead but the but the systematic pattern that he wants us to follow is is that for me to be good for the next week i gotta rest at least a day a day for me to close all the tabs in my mind a day for me to revitalize my body a day to to really just find rest in God and peace and do nothing with any obligation. That's what it was. The reason why the Sabbath was bad for people is because the Pharisees and the Sadducees made it unbearable to the point to where it made it, un they filled up that day with unnecessarily obligations that didn't cause the people to rest in God and rest mentally. But since Christ has become our rest, the Holy Spirit will now help us deal with the, the, the day to day and when to pick our pocket within a day and pick our pockets once a week to be able to rest. Now, what does rest look like? Leaving yourself without any uh, pressuring obligations. You got to find a day or a time within that day to be able to rest, reflect, rejuvenate, refresh, refuel, Re, uh, 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 enjoy, rejoice uh, uh, um, uh, for recreation where you're able to say, wow, I'm ready for the next week. And if that's Saturday, if that's Sunday, because people got different work schedules, if that's Wednesday, if that's Thursday, I think you should take about at least eight to 24 hours or eight to 16 hours where you're just free. And that's where you got to implement self-care. Because the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. The reason why people don't rest because they're afraid. So they fear if I don't go and make, if I don't go and work, I ain't going to make no money. They're afraid that if I don't get this third or fourth unnecessary job, then I ain't going to be selfish. God is your source. So when God's your source, you don't mind taking Sabbaths. It's that simple. When God's your source, you don't mind resting. And you got to limit, you got to start minimize your obligations. Say, okay, what, what do I have? Do I have too much on my plate? Because a lot of us, a lot of us have too, we have so much on our plate that we don't have time to digest. We have so much on our plate that we're gluttonous, that we're greedy, and we have no time to digest before the next meal. So you got to be able to look at your life and be like, okay, do I have too much on my life? Am I trying to be my source? Because some people got three jobs. You don't need that third job. Some people got two jobs because they want to get a Benz. You know, second job paying for the for the for the Benz. 
and you're overworking yourself to look good for somebody else, and now you're not resting because you're making comparison idolatry, and you listen to these these entrepreneurs saying, "Don't sleep." No, sleep. We sleep because we sleep because God's our source. I don't mind getting seven to eight hours, and when I can, when it's not treading a hustling season, but I don't mind getting seven eight hours because God's my source. When God's your source, you don't mind getting that sweet sleep. Because, because when you got God on your side, it doesn't matter if a person outworks you. It doesn't matter if a person sleeps four hours and you sleep eight. You got favor and you got energy. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So people can be working, only get three or four hours of sleep, and they're busting their butt, and they sound like they're getting ahead. But you slow and steady and resting and getting sleep, all of a sudden you pass them eventually when they're in the hospital. Broke down because they ain't they're not getting no sleep. So rest, my friend. Rest rejuvenate, energize, stabilize, and um, all the other stuff. Hope they help. See what else I got. It means God wants you to be rejuvenated and able and ready to do the assignment and not burnt out. Adrian, what's going on, Miss Garcia? How's, well, how's, uh, how's uh, the army? Hope you're doing well. Let me know. Let me know the updates. How's everything going? It did, Coach. You're so welcome. The uh, has me in Mississippi. No more Bronx. Oh, okay, got the Air Force. Got you. Okay, I'm. I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad you're doing well. Keep me updated. Ice cream cat said, "What's the rules for paying for dates? I have a guy pressure me to go half all the time." Ladies, hear me closely. When a man asks for your time, he pays for your time. Simple as that. If a man is asking for your time, he pays for your time. Unless, unless, unless you feel in your own self. No, let me take that back. Let me take that back. Uh, a man should offer to pay. But if you feel that the relationship is not where it needs to be for him to feel like that he is providing for you, then you pay your half. Let me make sure I make that clear. But if a man is paying for your, if a man is asking for your time, he should at least offer to pay for your time. But if you feel like this man may be trying to use his money against you, don't even spend, don't even waste your time. The good thing that I want to advise young women is this, that if he's pressuring you, and whatever, you shouldn't even give him your time. Why are you giving him your time? So, so what I would do is I, I wouldn't even give him, I wouldn't even because 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 a man shouldn't be pressuring you to do anything. He ain't listen, a husband don't even pressure his wife. So why is this man who's not even your husband ain't got no bands on that finger? And that's what a husband does. He put a band on that finger. You know what I'm saying? If if a husband ain't pressured his wife, then why are you letting this man pressure you? You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't. I wouldn't even go out with him no more. No, I wouldn't go out with him no more because he's pressuring to pay all. The, like, listen, listen. I'm pretty sure you can do a lot more with your time. And so, what I would advise for every young lady who's watching right now is that a man should offer to pay. But if the relationship is in the beginning stages and y'all just getting to know each other and whatever, I would just, I would just pay your own way. Honestly, I would just go in groups because no man who is not certified sent by God should not have access to exclusive time because sometimes being exclusive with a person can cloud your judgment and, and you got to be able to set standards. Here are some standards that a woman should have when it comes to a man pursuing him. Number one, your standard has to be um, 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 
I will not be anywhere with you alone. There's just certain benefits that only that should be only reserved for someone that's certified by you. Um, um, you got to make sure that you sur- if you don't have good, solid friends around you locally, then it's just best for him to just hopefully get to know you when he gets to know you. I just think sometimes women make themselves too available to men who who are not certified by God. And then that woman, maybe from insecurities or whatever, is now making herself a little bit too much available. And now she's clouding her judgment and all that. Because I just think it's best to have certain standards about I'm not going anywhere with you alone. I'm not grabbing nothing to eat with you alone. If you really want to get to know me, uh, uh, my friends and I are going here um, and 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 do that to guard yourself until you have clarification and confirmation from God before going forward. But if you feel pressure to pay half and that ain't, I wouldn't even waste my time with him. Uh, uh, but when it comes to paying, I'm old school. If, 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 if I'm at, well, I'm married now, but if you, if a man asks a woman for her time, he should at least offer to pay all the time, all the time. But if the woman says, Hey, I don't need that. Our, our friendship is not at that level. Then, then I'm going to take care of my half because I don't even want to give that man the illusion that he is providing for me. Your time is too valuable just to be giving it to any guy. And so that's just my advice on that. Oh, but you said, but let me see if you added something else. Okay, I don't see anything else. Queen Keisha says, how do you process letting go of a toxic five-year friendship and moving forward? I know God is calling me to release this person, but it's quite painful. It's painful because we oftentimes make people more to us than they need to be. That's all it is. You just got to face the reality that that possibly that person meant more than you than God himself. And it's painful. And it could just be painful because of the experience that you may have had or 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 that that person changed up on you. You just realize, oh, man, this person really ain't a, ain't a friend. They be, they were very they were treasure. Tr- there was a treasure chest before. Now they're a toxic individual. And that's what happens, especially when you have friends, because life challenges us all. And when a person is challenged, thing they change up. And so how do you process it? It's realizing who you are. You got to process who you are becoming because sometimes you outgrow people. And it's difficult when you're a babe in Christ. It's difficult when you're young, especially when you just, you know, you have friends and you think that y'all going to be BFFs for life. Um, but 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 the reality is we live in a world full of fickle people. We live in a world where people change. We live in a world where people outgrow each other. And so you got to write down right now why this person uh, should not be my friend. Uh, but you have to let that person go. Your self-care is the best way uh, 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 to handle anything. Anything that keeps you from caring for yourself it is it, it, something deeper. You got to look at your soul and be like, why must I have these people? It could be that you may be afraid of being alone. It could be that you don't really know much of yourself. See, I don't mind being alone because I'm a treasure chest in my own self. I don't mind it. What I mean by that, I don't, I'm not sitting there saying I want to be a loner, but I, I don't mind it because me and God, we are good. You know what I'm saying? I got me a beautiful wife. I, I got an amazing God. What more else do I need? You know what I'm saying? See, see, I, I want a wife, but I don't need a wife. The only person I need is God. And that's what you have to get into your mind. Uh, because sometimes we 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 make we uh increase occupancy to people based upon how, how much we need them. All you need is God. You should want a friend, but you don't need friends. Now let me make sure I look at the other layers. 
How do you process letting go of a, a toxic five-year friendship and moving forward? You got to look forward and say, okay, what, what do I want to possess in life? What do I want to have in my life? See, man, uh, sometimes your productivity um, releases people out of your life. I know God is calling me to release this person, but it's quite painful. It's painful because that person meant a lot to you, and that's okay. Um, but you're outgrowing them right now, and it's okay to outgrow them. Um, and, and and they're toxic. Toxic people, you're, you're never going to be benefited. You know what I'm saying? Uh, being around toxic people, you're going to become toxic or that or their toxicity will blur the friendship. And now you're doing more than what they're doing. And God didn't even call you to be that for them. G- Jesus is the only one that can really care for people's toxic behavior, not you. So you got to be able to say, you know what? I rather hurt them than hurt myself. And what I mean by hurting them is, is letting them go. And if they get mad at that, go to Jesus, man. And you keep moving on your life. It's painful because they, they meant something to you. But but you want to keep being pain in pain? You got to let that person go. Adriana says, all I ask is for prayer for the safety of my military members who I'm serving with. I got you. I'll make sure I write. I got you, Adrian. I ain't going to forget you. Email me. Email me. Let me know what's going on so I can have it start and I can pray. Stephen Ram says, what's the name of the school you went to in Oklahoma, Coach? I went to Oral Roberts University. O-R-U. Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's where I went, fam. Joe Schwann, what's up, family? What's going on, man? What's up, bro? Been thinking about going to therapy, but I'm hesitant because I feel like Jesus is enough. My friends tell me the benefits of therapy, but I'm still hesitant. What are your thoughts on therapy? Great question. Jesus said, come to me, all you are who are laden and and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. We got to be very careful about this therapy culture. There's nothing wrong with going to therapy. Hear me close. There's nothing wrong if the Holy Spirit leads you there. Everything boils down to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, not the advice of people. The counsel and the advice of people, even the high Christian influencers, cannot be cannot dictate where you should go. I say, I always say, um, it all boils down to the Holy Spirit's leadership. If the Holy Spirit says, this is the therapist I want you to go to, this is the individual I want you to go to, then you go there. But do not get so caught up in this therapeutic culture that you start going into going to these um, 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 centers that, that draws you away from God. That's what these churches have been set up to be. They've been, they've been set up to be life coaching, therapeutic uh, centers that then produce this culture of therapy where now you got to go get this life coach, but nobody's really trying Jesus. Nobody's talking about deliverance. Nobody's deep diving into their souls, looking at their own idolatry, looking at their own sins, looking at their own perversion, looking at their own issue. That's where therapy starts. It's therapy starts with repentance. Their therapy starts with the gospel. That's where therapy, that's when true therapy happens. But most people want to be there, uh, 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 go to these people to be uh, uh, these root issues. No, the root issue is that you are a sinner and you need a savior and you got to deal with those root issues. Now, that's what you got to do on your own. The realization that you need Jesus and then Jesus will reveal to you the importance of his spirit and his leadership. And the Holy Spirit will then lead you to whomever or whatever that he sees fit, fit for you and making you fit. 
You know what I'm saying? And if that's a therapist, cool. So what I'm saying is balance. You got to make sure that you, everything boils down to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, but it's hard to be led by the Holy Spirit when you're led by flesh. So you got to repent of your sins, confess them, repent them, ask the Holy Spirit to renew your mind. And if you do that part, you may not even need a therapist. But if the Holy Spirit sees it that you need some extra assistance, then he'll lead you to the right therapist, uh, pastor, or whomever. So I'm not against resources like therapy. I'm against the therapeutic, seemingly out of nowhere, left field therapeutic type culture that could have, that is setting people to idolize the idea of therapy. And nobody's truly trying Jesus. Nobody's seeking deliverance. Nobody's seeking uh, um, true healing emotionally. That's my issue. But if the Holy Spirit, after you have done all of that, is leading you to therapy, then go ahead. But don't go to therapy first if you haven't first looked in the mirror and or had looked in the perfect law of liberty, exercise your spiritual disciplines, embrace your spiritual liberty in Christ. If you've done all that and the Holy Spirit didn't lead you that, great. But a lot of people ain't tried that yet. That's just for Christians. You see what I'm saying? They ain't, you know what I'm saying? So am I against it? No. Um, but, but first things first, my friend. As far as is it biblical, I don't know if they had therapy back then, um, but I know for a fact the spirit is well able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ever ask or think and can do better than any therapist can. I just think people are getting caught up in what's cool and they're trying to make it look like they're trying to uh, 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 cause a negative look at the church ain't doing because the church ain't doing a job. It's that simple. And so when a church is caught up on being uh, motivational centers and motivational speeches and stuff like that, then nobody's getting delivered. And since the church is not doing deliverance, now therapy creeps in, a secularized version. Uh, and now people's like, well, I guess I can try the church and therapy. It's because your pastor ain't preaching deliverance. Your pastor ain't preaching repentance. Your pastor is not setting up discipleship and accountability. It is, and some people just don't want that. And that's just is what it is. So what I would do, bro, is really process why do I need therapy? Have I really tried the word of God? Have I done my due diligence and in, in seeking the spirit of God of what the root issue of why I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with? And, hold, and am I in a position to be led by the spirit? If the Holy Spirit says, hey, try this therapist, this person right here, then go for it. If not, go to your Bible. Either way, stay in your Bible. Oh, thank you, bro. You're so welcome. That really helped me. How can I get the book? Just go to Amazon, um, type in Joshua Ezzy, and that book will be right there. Um, email me. Email me. I'm going to give you a free PDF copy of my book. God, Holy Spirit told me to give you a free copy. He just told me for you, Angel. So if you're still watching right now, email me, and I'll give you. If you want the book, you can buy the book, but I'll give you a free. Email me at, uh, go to my website, I am, I'll type it in for you. Go to I am <clears throat> uh, go to I am unplugged.com. Go to I am unplugged.com and go to my contacts page and then email me and put in the con and put in the subjects tab uh soul ties book and I'll email you the PDF copy. So you can start tonight. But if you need a if you need a book version, like the paper and stuff, then just go to my website. Amanda Amber Way says, How to convince an immediate family member to let go of being dependent on acts of divination and just allow God to be God. Um, you ain't gonna be able to do it. Only God 
See, people don't change from information because if if so, we all would be fit and in shape. People change from revelation. Revelation means it was revealed in a way that makes them change. So what you do is all you got to do is continue to be a walking epistle, a living light, uh, uh, because a light doesn't speak. A light just shines light and it draws. And so what I would do is I, I you could because you you casting too many pearls to the swine. They're just going to keep stepping over it. What I would do is, is keep living the truth, being the truth, abiding in the truth, letting the truth be evident in your life. And, and over time, God will use you if you're the person he sees fit to use, not because you're not fit to be used, but 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 some people need, you know how it is when you're a parent, um, a, like they always happen, a kid will go to a mom, the mom has told the kid over and over the truth, but they heard it from a coach or they heard it from somebody else. Now they want to be like, oh, mom, you was right. Sometimes when you're closer to home, people don't want to listen to you. And so God may not use you because you're too close to home. But but if you keep giving your pearls to swine, they're going to get trampled on. So what you do is, Heavenly Father, it's on you. Keep keep informing through your life. Allow the revelation of Jesus in your own relationship with God reveal to you how you can continue to grow in righteousness. And what I mean by righteousness, and righteous living and righteous mindset. And then and then hopefully she'll see Christ in you and change. But people don't change from information. Trust me. You can inform people as long as the day is long. And they won't change. But when that when that heart start beating kind of crazy, when they fingers start going numb, when stuff start acting crazy, and they've been doing everything and they're not really doing what they and things are not coming out, they're changed by revelation. Only God knows exactly how to reveal to them in a way that renews their mind and, and sets them up in the right path on the right path. Hope to help. Got time for maybe two more and I'm done. Yeah, man, don't waste your time trying to inform people. People ain't going to listen, man. People ain't people ain't going to. Uh... I have no evidence of God, man, bro. I don't got time to argue with y'all, man. Look outside, my brother. There is no God. Look outside, my brother. Who, who, who created this world? Who created this world, my brother? It's that simple. I don't, I don't argue with people that don't got eyes. You must be blind, my brother. You got to look outside. Well, then you got to go, bro. You kind of doing too much, bro. You kind of doing too much, bro. You kind of doing too much, bro. All right. Time for a moment. I got to go. I just got to scroll up. My man was over there chatting a lot. Maybe I got time for one or two more. We got to go. All right. Emily says, does God bring us through season of loneliness for a reason or purpose? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't even use the word loneliness um, because loneliness is a state of mind. Um, because those who are lonely are people who are not aware that they're not alone. You're never alone. God is a present help. God is God is there. God is, is accessible. You're never alone. Loneliness creeps up in the mindset of a person based upon their... Um, um, looking outside of God's enoughness, looking outside of God who of who He is, not observing His track record, His faithfulness. That's when loneliness creeps in. But when you recognize God's track record and how invested He is in your life, and you begin to look at the details of your life, seeing how God is very present, then you'll be able to realize that there's purpose for me being isolated. There's a purpose for me being drawn to Himself because when God draws us to Himself. 
he is he is scratching out any other uh, influences and, and, and individuals that may play a part in damaging uh, um, his idea of you and what he wants to accomplish through you. And so what I've personally learned. Oh, OK. That's on our next question. Uh, God brings us through those seasons of isolation to prune us, to sharpen us, to mature us and to develop us. And the reason for that season is for us to to realize the the importance of of us not being able to do anything without him and how that he is very enough to us and how fickle people are and how wise we got to be as serpents and gentle we are to be of doves. You learn so much when you set apart to God. Because now all the fluff is gone, all the false influences are gone, all the different things that contributed to uh, uh, your lack of maturity are gone, and now you're able to see God clearly, you're able to see yourself clearly, and you're able to walk down a clearer path without being tainted. That's the purpose of being alone with God. And then once that season of, of being alone with God, where his exclusive aloneness comes, then you will be able to, even in the midst of being around other people, you will then now be able to have a pattern of being alone with God often. Because Jesus, the Bible says, he often went to the mountain and prayed. He often went away by himself. He showed us a pattern of having, of being in pace with God. Yeah, I'm amongst the people. Yes, yeah, sometimes with the disciples. Yes, I'm in the crowd. Yes, I'm on the mountaintop teaching. Yes, I'm doing this. But I made I made it my mission to be alone with my maker. And then from that season of aloneness, you learn so much about God and yourself. And then it sets you up to patternize your life where you often go alone and pray. You often go alone with God and you don't desperately need the company of others because you feel, you've totally feel fulfilled with the company of God. Hope they help. Street Drift Ray says, what did you learn from your season of waiting on the Lord? Wait on the Lord. What did you learn from your season of waiting on the Lord? What I learned was God's timing is perfect. And I realized that my perspective of timing is skewed. What I mean by that is sometimes we think a certain time is perfect for us, but we didn't look at ourselves as a person to see what is imperfect in us that will make this time not perfect for us. You see what I'm saying? So what I've learned about waiting on the Lord is, is that he is very good at, at coming on time. He's very good at giving me exactly what I needed, packaged in what I wanted. So he, know, he knows how to give me what I need in a version of what I want. So if I want, if I wanted a wife, no matter what woman I thought was my wife before, he knows the type of wife I needed. Even though I wanted a wife, he knows I got something that's greater than what you wanted before. So that's how God moves. And so we got to get into a place where we understand that God is above time. Anytime you're above something, you have a greater view of something that right now, God is fully occupying your past, your present, and your potential. Fully occupying. His eyes is, his eyes is in your past, your present, in your future. He sees it all. He has a great scope of your life. He knows your beginning from your ending. Therefore, there's no need for you to feel insecure when you become a husband, become a wife, become a parent, become a owner of a this or a, a, a minister at this, a pastor at this, because he has already occupied that space before you was even, before you even get in that place. So when you are in pace with God, you trust his timing. You see what I'm saying? And so what I learned from waiting on the Lord is He's always on time. And what he brings on time is the best thing 
And one thing that I learned is how I learned not to embarrass myself. I learned how not to make a fool of myself. I learned how not to worry. Because what I used to do was I worried myself out to the point to where I wasn't strong enough or energized enough to enjoy the blessing. Some of us, we wear ourselves out through worry so that when about time God comes through, we're not able to enjoy what he brought in our life. And so what I learned is, is to enjoy and occupy where I am while God occupies where I'm not. Because if I occupy where I am, I set myself to occupy where God has already occupied and gone before me and made my crooked places straight. He's already straightened my past before I was even a sperm in my mother's womb. In my, my, my mom's ovary, before I was a baby in my mother's womb, he already made my path straight. Starting with Jesus. So he then he through his through his uh salvation, he says, narrow is the way, narrow is the gate that leads to life. So now my willingness is going is being in, I'm gonna allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide me into all truth because where there's truth, there's there's liberty and there's freedom. So that's all the stuff I learned from uh waiting on the Lord is that stand and see. Stand and see and see the salvation of the Lord. And I, I'm telling his timing is perfect. I done seen him come through for me in amazing ways so that now I know the rest because I know God will always give me his best, but at least I'll be rested enough to be able to enjoy his best. That's the stuff that I've learned. Thank you so much. My mom's steady saying you're growing. That's right. Keep growing, my family. Keep growing, family. Let me go ahead and go. I've been going for 15 minutes. I love y'all. I'll probably do another live tomorrow, possibly. I know for sure Monday, Tuesday, etc. But I pray these videos have been a blessing to you. Uh, go to my website now to get the books. You got The Purpose of Freedom, How to Untie Soul Ties and Stronghold. That book's a, it's a good book for you. Uh, I got my children's book here, as he says, as for the students I serve. It's a good children's books for kids to help them discover their art form and their purpose. I got a book called Dating Prep for those who are dating themselves and love their lives. Um, it's a great uh, resource for you to really process where you are in life, how to set yourself up to date the one God has for you. And if you're in a, a relationship right now, helps you really process your relationship with that. Also, I have a card game that goes with it. It's called Dating Prep. Dating Prep. It's a card game for those who are dating themselves and dating the love of their life. Questions like uh, in three phases, you got the um, you got the cloud phase is when y'all just met. You got the cement phase. Relationship is getting very real. So y'all hitting ground zero. It's time to it's then corporations when y'all building something together, y'all about to build something together or y'all are building something together. And so there's different types of questions for each stage. Like one cloud phase question is when happy, what do you do? A cement question I have here is how can I help you with your bad habits? What time will we commit to our date nights? A corporation question. If money wasn't an issue, what would you do right now? And another corporation question that you could ask is where do you see us in the next five years? These are great questions. And all the questions are in these books with kind of some um, activities for you to really answer some of these questions and go deep. For instance, what is supporting your relationship? Uh, one question that's in the card game is, where will we anchor our roots as a family? Roots are important to every tree, especially to a family tree. All right, I said that last time. But basically, it really enhances the question and why you should ask it and how you can really uh, uh, see if this relationship is certified for God or God screaming at you, not screaming because God don't scream, but God letting you know you might want to get out of this relationship. Also, I have another card game called Memory Muscle. It's a card game to help you memorize scripture. That's the logo there. 
And uh, it's a fun way to memorize scripture individually or with other people. And so there's questions on uh, how to uh, score points and how to do it in a, in a small groups at churches and just learning the word of God by yourself. Um, my other books, of course, and I'm out your way. World War Me is a book on spiritual warfare and how to win the war within and the wars against you. And of course, probably the number one selling book that I have, The Purpose of Singleness, Are You Whole or Full of Holes? All those books and resources are available to you right now on my website, IamUnplugged.com. Um, if you need one-on-one coaching, hit me up. If you want to bring me to your city to preach or speak or whatever, hit me up on my website. If you just want to give the support, you can give to support what we do here online to support this channel, or you can support our mentoring program. There's multiple ways that you can support, that you can be a part of this community. It's all on my website, IamUnplugged.com. I love y'all. Y'all be blessed, and I'll see y'all soon. Timestamps below. And that's it. What else am I missing? T-shirts, or I ain't even wearing a T-shirt. But T-shirts as well. Everything you need, everything you want to know to learn more and grow. Also, my purpose is on this course. Every Thursday, we've been in this uh, theme um, for all singles and those unsure relationships. Check out that course. Um, nine weeks in, nine videos in. A lot of great material, great material the Holy Spirit has given me. Um, I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. I'll see y'all next time. Peace.